0: This is Shopify Masters, the e-commerce marketing podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs. It's powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in-person, and anywhere in between. To start your free 14-day trial, visit shopify.com. Hey entrepreneurs, my name is Felix and I'm the host of the Shopify Masters Podcast. Each week we put out podcast interviews with successful e-commerce entrepreneurs or experts to give you inspiration, motivation, and actionable tips to increase your traffic and sales so your store can generate the sales you need to live the life you want. On today's podcast, you'll learn from an entrepreneur that wants to give away over 500 products this year and why he believes it will increase his sales. In this episode, you'll learn how they educated customers to buy a product that's many times more expensive than the alternative, how to use Facebook ads and giveaways to grow your mailing list, and how to keep people on your mailing list that originally only joined to enter the contest. Today, I'm joined by Frank Rabinovich from ImpactMouthguards.com. Impact Mouthguards handcrafts custom mouthguards for athletes in all sports and was started in 2011 and based out of Atlanta, Georgia. Welcome, Frank.
1: Hey, Felix, thanks for having me on. Appreciate
0: it. Yeah, excited to have you on. So tell us a little bit more about your story and how does this custom mouth guard thing work?
1: Yeah, so so Felix, uh, I used to be in the consumer finance business, um, helping trucking companies actually finance their businesses. And uh, throughout my career and really my whole life, I've been a lifelong hockey player and... uh, as a hockey player, I never wore a mouth guard because they were awful. They didn't fit. The ones that you get off the store shelf called the boil and bite um, were painful to try and put in your mouth and get fit and uh, also never really worked once you did get them in your mouth. So um, I was convinced by a friend of mine who I played hockey with to go to a dentist and get a custom guard fitted for myself and not sure – Uh, exactly why I agreed to do that, but I did, and I went to the dentist, and the dentist made the guard for me, and uh, that guard was $200, and I I, I thought I was crazy paying that much for a mouth guard, especially since I had never worn one, but I paid it, put it on, changed my life in terms of what I thought of that piece of equipment while playing hockey, and so that happened to me, uh, you know, roughly about seven years ago where uh, I got that mouth guard and, and made the change.
0: That's awesome. So once you got that mouth guard and you knew about the kind of um, benefits of custom mouth guards, how did you make that transition from what you were working on, like you said, consumer finance, all the way to starting your own business? Like how did that, how did that evolve?
1: Yeah, it's a pretty weird transition, but I was looking to be in a new business myself. You know, I'd been uh, doing the finance thing for about 15 years. And so I was looking to transition into uh, a small business that I could own myself. And uh, the mouth guards were interesting, but I kind of noodled around about it for uh, a year and a half, two years when my kids got old enough um, to also need mouth guards. My son plays travel hockey and my daughter plays travel lacrosse and had the same issues with those uh, boil and bite guards in that they didn't fit. And uh, if you've ever watched youth sports, many of the kids hang the guard right out of their mouth um, because of that ill fit. Mm. And so um, somewhere along the lines, I was with my son at an event and I met a competitor of mine and who who is now a competitor. And what happened was I was talking to her about uh, actually becoming a salesperson for her. And uh, she was very interested when we were talking in person and uh, she fit my son for a mouth guard And uh, said, let's be in touch Monday. Well, Monday came and went. And in fact, a month came and went. And I couldn't get back in touch with her. And my son didn't receive his mouth guard. So finally, after that about about a month or five weeks, she uh, sent me a little message that said, look, I've got more business than I can possibly imagine. So I can't use your help in sales. And I'll get your son's guard to you whenever we're able.
0: Wow. Not a great experience, I can imagine. So you had this, sounds like a poor experience with, uh, well, now a competitor of yours. You were interested in doing sales in this industry. I guess the only missing piece was getting the products or actually being able to uh, produce the products uh, that, that of these mouth guards. So what was, how did you get the business set up itself?
1: Yeah, it's kind of interesting because it's one of our greatest challenges. Is, so after getting that message from her, Uh, I went out and and started buying the equipment to produce custom mouth guards. Now, Felix, my hands don't work in the way a craftsman's hands work, in that uh, I can't make a mouth guard myself. It's just not going to happen. And so uh, I started buying all this equipment, not exactly knowing how I was going to make mouth guards. And so uh, what happened was I was buying – say the fourth or fifth piece of equipment that I needed. And I was speaking to the owner of the piece of equipment that I was purchasing through uh, eBay or Craigslist or something like that. And I asked her, well, do you happen to know anybody that knows how to make mouth guards? And she said, well, yes, I do. And so she introduced me to George, who is my master craftsman and has been with me since the beginning. And uh, so once I put George in place with the equipment that we were purchasing, we were off to the races.
0: Mm-hmm. So you have everything now that you need to manufacture and produce the mouth guards. Um, and once you had all this set up, what? Was, how did you get your first? Let's say you know, hundred sales. Like what were you doing to promote the business early on?
1: Well, it was a friends and family kind of thing. So I was still working full time in the finance business, and uh, again, my son was playing travel hockey, my daughter lacrosse. So I went to the teams that they were on. And that's how we really started uh, building our chops, by making mouth guards for those kids uh, to test out, see what they like, see what they didn't like, and then move on from there.
0: Mm, that makes sense. So from there, so you, you obviously were able to test that there was a market for it, um, that you were able to sell it to, to your, your kids, uh, teams. Uh, what was next? Like, was it all straight online from there? Or were you trying to still sell it pers- in person or what was the, uh, the sales channel that you really focused on early on?
1: Yeah, I would say that the online presence was really secondary to doing events, tournaments, And other places where athletes were congregating in mass so that we could speak to them uh, in groups. And I'm not sure it was the best strategy, but it was the one that we took. And what we found in the early days especially was that it needed – athletes needed a lot of education, right? Because there was uh, $2 mouth guards and $10 mouth guards Mm -hmm. available, and we were selling a $50 mouth guard. And so we spent a lot of time in the beginning talking to people, educating them on why the guard was different, why it would make a difference. And uh, that has now somewhat subsided. We've been in business almost five years. But uh, that was one of our biggest challenges in the beginning, educating folks.
0: Yeah, that, that's interesting. I think the other entrepreneurs out there might have the same issue where there's maybe a low cost, uh, I guess, um, alternative already in the marketplace and you're coming in with a more Premium products, obviously more value, but also uh, many times more expensive. How do you approach the market? How do you educate them? How do you explain to them that this is worth, you know, 10 times the amount of money that you would, maybe 20 times the amount of money that you would normally spend on a mouth guard? And it sounds like you're going after going after, but initially you're targeting, uh, you know, students or teenagers or kids. They probably don't have a lot of money. They probably don't have a lot of money spent on, you know, fifty dollars on a mouth guard. So, you know, a the first question is, how do you educate the marketplace on a product that's many times more expensive than what they're used to? And we'll start there.
1: It was very much a demonstration. So uh, when we were at these tournaments, the best part of being at the tournament was that the athletes, folks, their parents were there with them. And so they would come up to the booth and we would ask, have you ever seen how a custom mouth guard fits, right? And that is the overwhelmingly most positive aspect of the product is that when you snap a custom guard in, it's immediately different from those big globs of plastic, which are the boiling bites, because it's a thin profile. It fits specifically to the teeth. And while it's providing all the protection that you need and more, it's very thin in the mouth, if that makes sense. And so, being able to speak and being able to breathe and being able to drink with the guard in was educational to the parents and to the kid who had to suffer through through many a game with that poor mouth guard.
0: Mm, okay, so just a demonstration, but like this, something like this, it does require time to create a custom. Uh, mouth guard. So, why don't you explain? That? Explain what is the process for somebody to to get a, a customized mouth guard?
1: Right. So, when we're on site, we help athletes take impressions of their teeth, which we then take back to our lab and pour a model of their mouth. And then, with high heat and pressure, we press a guard into the dentition of their teeth, so the cracks and crevices of their teeth. So it gets that nice tight fit. And then our craftsmen hand cut the guard to the gum line that's presented by that person. And so these are really specifically made for each individual.
0: Mm-hmm. So how do you do something like that when it's in person? I, I, like the, this product where it requires customization, required is some you know, uh, lag time for lack of a better word for to get the, the, the customization in place. How do you demonstrate that because the value that you're offering is that this mouth guard is not just something you buy in a store, it's a very customized piece. So, the customization is the, the part that they're really paying extra for. So, how do you demonstrate the customization when you have to be live at, at an, an event?
1: It's a great question because that was the other half of the challenge educating first on why they needed the guard, and then educating them in knowing that there was no immediate gratification. We were going to do the impression take it back to our lab, and then send them the guard in two weeks' time. And so uh, that took, so, took some effort. It took people to understand, uh, first, that that custom perspective or a custom aspect of it was most important. They're going to end up with a product and a piece of protective equipment that fits them like no other. And then the other piece of the customization, which is really the gravy, is the graphics and the colors that we put on the guard for each individual and getting them to understand that it's worth the wait because that is also a custom process.
0: Mm-hmm. So you were doing all this, you're going to these events, you're going to these tournaments, you're going to uh, meet with your, your kids' uh, you know, teammates to sell these, these uh, custom mouth guards in person, and also you're taking their money without actually immediately giving them anything right off the bat. And you were doing all this while you still had a full-time job? Yes. So when was that transition then to, to, I guess, devoting more time into uh, Impact Mouse Guards?
1: You know, at about the year-and-a-half, 18-month mark, we decided, my wife and I, who's the biggest supporter of this business, that uh, I should attack it full-time. And while it couldn't support an income at that time, it was the right thing to do because we saw that the business was growing. And it was going in the right direction. It was it was slow to be sure, but it was going in the right direction.
0: I see. So one of the questions I like to ask somebody that has made this transition, where they were working on their business uh, part time, had a full time job, and then decided to make that jump. What did you do with the now extra, you know, at least forty extra forty extra hours that you have because you no longer have a full time job, and now you could devote it towards your business? Like, what are some immediate things that? that you're able to do now with your newfound free time?
1: Yeah, uh, well, my background is sales. So initially I spent it doing more sales. So a lot of telemarketing to colleges and teams and to associations for um, the education process to begin with them as well. So that we can protect larger groups all at once rather than individual by individual. And uh, so that was helpful. And then, of course, spending time uh, visiting places like uh, uh, MMA gyms and jujitsu gyms and other sorts of places like that uh, took up a great deal of time, right along with running the day to day of learning how to be in an e-commerce business. And um, all the things that come along with that. And I hadn't previously been in a manufacturing business, so learning the uh, ins and outs of that as well took, took time.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, um, I, I feel like you focus focused on the right things. You know, you pounded the pavement when you had the free time or when you had the, the, the new time that you have because you no longer had the job. And, you know, sales and revenue and cash solve a lot of problems. And if you can get that going right off the bat, then a lot of things will start falling into place. So you said that your approach was essentially, well, you, you basically were cold calling colleges and, and teams?
1: That's exactly
0: right, yeah. Yeah, so I think um, this is not necessarily a path that a lot of entrepreneurs that are listening typically take, you know, because when you're you're operating online, you're operating in e-commerce, you kind of rely on, you know, large-scale advertising. It doesn't really end up you having to talk to anybody right off the bat, but you start off cold calling. That's not something that I think a lot of people are comfortable with. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about your particular technique when you were selling to Impact Mouse Guards or selling Impact Mouse Guards
1: in my case, my background is selling. So, um, I didn't have a fear of getting on the phone with folks that I didn't know, but, uh, what I had to do once I got them on the phone was entice them somehow to be interested in, again, switching from $2 mouth guards to what would be, you know, $40 or $50 mouth guards, depending on the team size. And so, What we used successfully to get started and get our foot in the door were free samples of the guards because there's nothing that speaks to the difference an impact custom mouth guard makes other than popping one in your mouth and feeling the difference. And so uh, I would uh, get coaches on the phone and I would say, hey, coach, I, I know you're using X guard. How about giving ours a try? We're glad to send you a free sample. So. We'd send them the fit kit. They'd do their impression. They'd send it back. We'd send them the guard. And then a lot of times, depending on what part of the year it was and what sport we were calling into, there could be a waiting period because perhaps their season just finished or Mm -hmm. it's not starting for six or eight months. And so it took time to get into the sales cycle so that we were uh, at the right place at the right time, so to speak.
0: Yeah, I was gonna ask about a sales cycle next. So you called them and you got the the coach or the head decision maker on the phone. You said that, let me send you a free sample. You can try it out for yourself. You send it to them and obviously you have to wait for them to send it back. They get the mouth guards and then what do you do? You pick up the phone again and like what's what happens after they actually try the mouth guards and see the benefit in it? What, what do you do next?
1: The beauty of the next step was that once they popped it in their own mouth or they popped it in one of their athlete's mouths, say the captain of the team, the accolades came and that's really how we started to grow because um, friends were telling friends about what they had discovered. And so it worked exactly that way in this case in that the coach saw what a difference it made immediately. And so uh, while it certainly wasn't a slam dunk and they didn't all roll over, sales started trickling in that way. And then as I said earlier, depending on where we were in the seasonality of that sport, we got orders when it was the appropriate time for them.
0: And you were able to track all of this, that, that you know, giving like a second mouth guard to X university resulted in sales. How were you able to know that the sampling actually worked?
1: Well, the the sales started flowing in, so I couldn't tell you specifically, like, we gave out 100 samples and 42 teams ordered, uh, because I wasn't that good at keeping those records, but we certainly sent out uh, many, many samples, and the team orders continued to roll in, and so they're largely contributing to our growth, so Mm. the effort definitely worked, although I can't give you specific statistics. I wish I could.
0: No, that's fine. So, when you were doing this, it sounds like it, especially depending on, especially maybe your, um, maybe your industry, and maybe many others that are listening. It's kind of daunting to do this at first because it just sounds really expensive without, and potentially risky too, because you don't know what's going to happen once you get your, your product out your door. Did you feel any fear at all? Like maybe, were you worried at all about burning through cash without seeing the results? You know, before, I mean, obviously it played out the right way looking back on it, but at that moment when you were thinking about the strategy, did you feel any fear that they might not result in any sales?
1: Every day, Felix. Um, yeah. The fear, and I'll take a step back. When we started this business, we started undercapitalized. And so we had enough money to buy the equipment that we needed, the initial equipment, and we had enough money to buy the inventory, which we needed, but we didn't have a lot left over, unfortunately, to set out on expensive marketing campaigns, um, which is probably what drove me back to the phone. and, And the thing that I knew best was making calls wasn't very expensive. We already had the phone and so forth. So, um, What I found and and what I learned from giving away the free guards was that that was the best marketing expense that we could invest in because it was the actual product going to folks that would talk about the product. And so it took me some time to realize that. But um, with the limited resources we had, and once we had the materials to make the guard in-house... Uh, it was much better to make those samples and get those out than to hang on to the materials, if that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, so is that still your number one uh, marketing channel is to send out these samples and then uh, you know wait for the orders?
1: Absolutely. Our number one program this year, uh, as we've grown, is giving away more guards. And so it took me almost, I'd say, a full four years, now that we're in our fifth year, to realize that I, I should be less and less cheap with giving away free guards. And so this year we'll give out, we'll give away 500 plus guards so that we can grow. Because every time we give away a guard, they tell two friends and so on and so on.
0: Mm, that makes sense. So how do you determine who should be getting these guards? I know initially you said that you were working, you are co-calling and reaching out to organizations and teams. That makes a lot of sense because... All you need is, you know, the coach to determine that, hey, this is a great product for you to get an order for the entire team. But are you still going after large teams, organizations, or are you going into individuals? And what is the, how do you decide who to target with these free samples? We're
1: very much going after uh, large uh, associations and teams and also uh, owners of gyms, uh, some um, uh, fighters who have large social media circles because we've learned that the I tell two friends strategy can be accelerated by folks speaking on social media.
0: Mm, so you are targeting influencers as well, getting them free samples. And do you usually have to pitch them on getting this free sample or is it pretty you know, easy for them to, to say, yes, send me a free sample?
1: Much easier now, uh, after this uh, period of time, because we have some name recognition now, and uh, people come to us, not necessarily asking for free guards, but asking for information, and it's part of our closing process, and I I learned an interesting thing along the way about social media, in that uh, my son built an Instagram account, and uh, he built that based on making fun of hockey players, but he's got about 80,000 followers in this account, and when... He posts about impact mouthguards. We tend to get more followers and more business. So learning from that, we sought out other uh, Instagram, Facebook personalities, so to speak, and uh, would send them regards as well to get that social media boost.
0: Mm. So one one thing that I that I've heard or not heard, but one um, concern or one uh, yeah one concern that, that some entrepreneurs have is that I'm going to send out these guards, the influencer, the person that gets it, it's going to really really like it, but then they're not going to talk about it, or they're not going to review it, or they're not they're not going to post on social media about it. Do you ever not necessarily have stipulations, but do you how do you encourage the the the, the receive recipient of these uh, mouth guards, these samples? to talk about your brand.
1: Felix, the the people that have that fear are absolutely right in having the fear because it does happen. Uh, There's no controlling uh, people remotely to make the post that they said they would make if they don't do it. And so um, we started this out sort of loosely and we keep it pretty loose in that um, our expectations and we tell folks when we're sending them the guard is that we'd like you to post pictures talking about your experience and perhaps with the guard and a t-shirt if you happen to have one. Um, and then overwhelmingly, most of the time, they all do it because they love the product and they're into uh, doing what they said they would do. But on occasion, we definitely have people that uh, get the guard and just disappear
0: Mm, makes sense. Yeah. So one interesting thing about your product and you definitely face this with me because you send me one of the samples is that you have to wait around for the customer to do their part, right? You have to do their part to send, do the molding, send it back. And there's a lot of kind of um, dependence, I guess, on the customer because it's not like you just get their money, send the product and then do nothing. You have to wait for them to send it back. So how do you, like what kind of difficulties arise because that there's, there's extra kind of lap that needs to be done before the customer gets what they, they paid for.
1: It's like any sales cycle, right? You have to follow up and you have to keep on, folks, and everybody's busy. And so if it's not uh, uh, immediate top of mind for them, they may let it sit on their desk, which is inevitably what happens. And uh, after a few reminders, if they're truly interested, most folks will send it back. In the case where we don't receive it back, We continue to follow up, but uh, our investment in the supplies um, is just part of the marketing now. And so, yeah, sometimes we don't get them back.
0: Mm. So this is, um, I'm assuming, much more prevalent when it's a free sample because they didn't pay for it, so they might not feel compelled to complete the cycle and actually send back their molding to get their finished product back. Do you face this issue at all with customers that are actually paying for it, or are they pretty quick to do their part and send back the mold?
1: It surprises me every day, but there are a certain percentage of folks who purchase the guard and never send the impressions back either.
0: I see. So, what do you what do you do in those cases? Do you just keep? Do you ever? Do you have a process to follow up with them? Can automate away way, or are you doing it manually, or are you just you know waiting for them to respond or to um, send it back?
1: Well, we're waiting. The onus is on them. Once we ship the kit, so we're waiting on them to send it back. However, once they're in our system, now that we're sending more and more regular emails and communications of that sort. I'll give you an example of what happened this week. We sent out an email with a uh, private sale that we were having, and a couple people raised their hands as having had purchased the guard over a year ago, having the material still on their desk, and they were just roused from their sleep, and we're going to send it back in. And wow. they wanted to make sure that their orders were still good. And, of course, they are. So um, we believe in unreasonable customer service here. And so, uh, sure,
0: send it in then. That's awesome. So, um, going back to, I guess, your your story of uh, of you quitting your your full time job. You said that you left. I think you said a year into the business, realized that you need to spend more time actually going out and making these sales, getting on the phone, and and closing, uh, you know, large organizations or teams on buying these mouth guards. Um, so, how successful is a business today? You're entering, you're entering your fifth year, uh, you know, four years, I guess, going full-time. Can you tell us a little bit about the success of the business?
1: Sure. So, uh, Felix, it probably took me till about the three-year mark where I was able to take a, a small salary, and uh, that salary has grown, although it's still small, and uh, this year we're seeing quite a bit of success over last year, so we're on track to do a double and if that happens we'll be in the mid six figure uh revenue for this year 2016.
0: Mhm. And so and the the business how do you run it? Is there a team of people that does this or is it just you alone? Like what is the uh, who who's behind Impact Mouthguards?
1: Yeah, so here in our office at uh in Atlanta, we have a manufacturing lab and so I've got eight uh mostly part-time folks that are here in every capacity from, uh, customer service to manufacturing. So George, our master craftsman is still with us and we've built a team of folks around him because with, uh, hundreds and hundreds of guards coming in, uh, it takes a process.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So what do you spend your, or what's your day to day? Like, so you have eight people working on customer service or manufacturing the, the mouth guards. What do you, how do you spend your days?
1: I spend my day struggling to get more time to focus on sales because I'm involved still with uh, the day-to-day business and making sure things are running smoothly and customer service as well. But uh, my focus is definitely on growing the business. So I'm looking to how we leverage uh, social media and, and apps and email and so forth to get our word out uh, to more and more folks.
0: Mm-hmm. So what's the, um, the, the main kind of marketing channel that you want to focus on this year?
1: We're spending a lot of time, as I said, giving away free guards, but building our email list and building our social media followings. Uh, I'd like to triple my email list. We're currently at about uh, 6,500 names. So by year's end, I'd like to uh, triple that if I'm able to and uh, really focus in more on email marketing uh, in particular.
0: Mm-hmm. What are you doing to uh to grow this list? Like what's been most effective for you?
1: We just started uh implementing Facebook ads and um uh contests and things like that to give away some more free guards but to collect email addresses because what I've learned from folks like yourself and, and others is that um it, it's the thing you have real ownership in over having a social media like that email Uh, is a much more successful
0: tool, I believe. Yeah, I say this all the time, is that nobody ever really changes their emails ever, but people move off of platforms, change their, the platforms die, like, you know, every few years, and email has been around, you know, for 20, 25 years, and it hasn't shown any signs of going away, so it's probably, it's still a platform, but it's the platform that's proven to be around the longest, so I'd highly recommend anybody, if you have, traffic or you have followers on any social media that's great and you should definitely be out there with that kind of exposure but at the end of the day always try to drive them back into something you control which is your email list so you said um, facebook ads is a way that you've been using to grow that email list can you tell us a little about that like what does the ad say where does it drive the 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 visitor to
1: yeah we're very much in uh... Uh, experimenting stage now and learning how it works. But our business lends itself very well to segmentation because you have hockey players and football players and lacrosse players and so forth. And so uh, we're working on um, finding our audiences within Facebook for each of those sports and then sending the uh, message to them. And so uh, we currently have ads that our remarketing for visitors that come to the website we're doing that as well as uh, targeting them directly but many of those ads uh, currently which we're now converting have been focused on getting folks to the website rather than getting emails and so our new contest type ads are meant specifically to bring in the email address and so uh, we've set up some uh, sales funnels and we use lead pages to uh, click through to and capture that information.
0: I see. So these, um, these contests, you're advertising the, the contest through Facebook ads as well? That's right. And so these people are getting these ads to say enter this contest for a uh, mouthguard giveaway. They click on the ad, it takes them to a landing page that then requires them to put in their email address in order to enter the contest. Is that how it works? That's
1: right. Exactly right.
0: Awesome. So, how how many um, I guess iterations have you gone through with this giveaway, and what are what have been the results?
1: I'd say we're in our one point five second round, say, of of those um, ads, and uh, we've generated hundreds of emails, and so we're just honing in on uh, h- how to goose it, so to speak, right? Mm. Because it's very much a learning process for me. And so uh, while I don't think I speak very eloquently about it, uh, I'm learning quickly.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things that once you're able to get the cost down, it's high, very scalable. Just kind of uh, figure out what works and scale it up because The 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 ads would probably be the most costly piece of it, but the the giveaways probably don't cost nearly as much because you're giving away like one for every you know whoever however many number of email signups. So once you get these emails, uh, these people on your email list, what are you sending them? Like what what kind of information or what kind of emails are you sending to the people on your list?
1: Yeah, we're sending them our story. We're sending them a, a bit of educational material. We're sending them, uh, of course, uh, winner and announcements of winners uh, of the guards. And we keep people in the contest to keep them interested and, and keep them from unsubscribing. So once you sign up, you'll, you continue to have a chance to win. Uh, and uh, we recently signed up for Clavio uh, to manage our email. And so we've got funnels that are small now, but growing. So each week we might add another layer to the funnel um, so that uh, we continually contact these folks without necessarily having to be involved.
0: I like that, that, how you said that uh, the people that enter your email list through a giveaway, you keep them around rather than rather than having them unsubscribe in the very next email by still giving them chances to win. I, I think that's a really clever way of keeping them on, especially because that's the kind of reason why they join your email list in the first place. And you want to hook them and get them to stay around long enough to learn more about your story and learn more about the benefits so they then end up becoming customers. So what is the, uh, can you tell us about like how, how this is set up or are they just getting an email right away saying here's another giveaway they were doing or like, what are you actually telling them?
1: Yeah, so when they sign up, of course, they're getting a, a confirmation and, and a thank you that they've, they've signed up and they're now in, in the process. And then over the course of uh, what is currently the next uh, two weeks or so, They receive several emails um, discussing with them, of course, mouth guards and and why ours are better. uh, But not from a a strictly sales point of view, but more from a storytelling point of view, like giving them a bit of history on how I started the company and then, um, uh, you know, moving on from there as to why they should consider guards uh, of a custom nature from impact. But not, uh, not so salesy. We certainly ask for the sale, but it's not um, in your face necessarily.
0: Mm-hmm. And so one, um, I guess, issue or concern that I've heard from people that are running giveaways to grow an email list, or to to eventually market to their to these people that enter the giveaway, is that you attract a lot of kind of freeloaders, right? People that want to enter just because they want to win something for free, and now you're when you're sending these emails, you're basically telling now you have to pay for something that you uh, could have won for free, but you didn't. Do you have this kind of issue at all? The people that enter your contest end up not winning, but then end up buying anyway?
1: Hopefully we'll have a follow-up call one day, Felix, and I could give you more specifics on how it's working. But yeah, I'm sure we have freeloaders that sign up. Uh, they're one of the bunch, let's say. But if folks are truly interested in uh, mouthguards because they're participating in sports or their kids are participating, I think we've found our audience. Mm. And so um, over time, I think that we can convert them to uh, perhaps giving it a try. Uh, We're also not giving away so many guards through this um, uh, process that they would think that they have a real great chance of getting one.
0: Yeah, and I think it's important to note that you spend a lot of time in your emails, like you're saying, not actually pitching, but telling a story and actually getting them engrossed into your your world and how you got started. Because if you were to have a con- email co- a contest that requires email sign up, someone enters the contest, they get they get you get their email, and then the very f- next email you send them is pitching them on hey buy this you know mouth guard that you could have gotten for free by winning. They're gonna be really turned off by that. But if you sent the next email about your story, about the benefits of mouth guards, about the the testimonials and feedback from your customers, like that's definitely not pitching. And then you can actually start to kind of win them over to your side. And it's a much, much more effective way to get the sale. It's a longer cycle, but it's definitely much more effective to get the sale that way than to just get them to sign up and then constantly be almost taunting them, like saying, hey, you didn't win this, but now you can buy it. Now, that way it doesn't work. I think the way that you're doing it is the reason why it's working is because you're not pitching them in, that, in the follow up emails, at least not immediately.
1: And you mentioned testimonials, but uh, those overwhelmingly have been the key to our growth in that uh, folks love the product that we provide them and they're willing to talk about it both to us and to their friends.
0: Yeah, I can see that that you know, like I was saying these custom mouth guards is a lot, is really easy to talk to be talk about because You know, you're on these teams with these people that are really close to you and protecting your teeth is obviously a big deal. It works so well for you. You want to spread the message. The issue though, that I was thinking about is that, does this kind of product allow for repeat buyers? Because you know, that's like the Holy grail of having a healthy business, right? Is that somebody will buy, become a customer once and consistently buy from you. Do you have that, that, uh, I guess possibility with this type of product? more so
1: than i ever imagined yes so uh, somebody buys one in um uh, buys one guard to test it let's say and as soon as they pop it in and feel the difference they call us almost immediately and this happens very very often ordering a second one say for their lacrosse bag when they bought for hockey to begin with so we get that and then with our team business we um We keep all the models on file for a team. And so as a team, let's say it's a college team, as a freshman comes through, the team can reorder for them and we just pull that model out of our library of models and we craft them another guard. And so our teams reorder year after year.
0: Mm, Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, that makes a lot lot of sense then, especially... I didn't think about people that might be buying multiple uh, mouth guards for... For different bags, for different sports, but but definitely the, the team aspect makes a lot of sense to me about how they're going to buy new ones every single year, even if the mouth guards from last year might still be perfectly fine. So that makes a lot of sense. So now in terms of actually um, running the store, can you tell us a little bit about maybe any tools or apps that you rely on to keep the, the business going?
1: Yeah, so I have um, a company that helps me with the design of the store. And they've been very helpful in that, com- that company's name is Killer Shark Marketing. And then we have implemented um, not very many programs. So uh, I use Clavio for email uh, applications. And uh, that's a switch from MailChimp, which we used to use, it's just more robust in terms of uh, the sales funnels and so forth. And then um, we use Canva to uh, make up some of our social media posts. And um, Shopify, of course, Shopify is the main one that makes it all work for us uh, day after day.
0: Awesome. So what are the plans for, the, for this year? What are some big goals that you want to hit to this year? I know you said you want to triple the email list, any other specific uh, goals or maybe even marketing channels that you want to really attack?
1: Yeah, so we're definitely uh, tripling the email list, doubling our social media presence and um, doubling sales. That would be the most important one.
0: Yeah, and you said that you have um, an agency that you work with. Do they also make edits to your site, or like maybe uh, can you tell us about any recent changes you made to your site or your marketing that has had a you know a big impact on the traffic or sales?
1: Yeah, I would say uh, 18 months ago we switched from Big Commerce to Shopify, and that in itself was the biggest change. And so our traffic started going up dramatically from what it was to what it is. Uh, now over that 18 month period, and then just recently, in fact, in the last two weeks, we've uh, reskinned our Shopify site with uh, a new first page and to highlight some some products which we've been selling but which haven't been top of mind for folks.
0: Awesome! Thanks so much, Frank. So ImpactMouthguards.com is the website. I M P A C T M O U T H. Guards dot com is the website. Anywhere else you recommend the listeners check out? If they want to follow along with what you guys are up to.
1: Yeah, we are on uh, Instagram and Facebook, of course. Uh, Impact Mouthguards. Twitter is iMouthguards. Mouthguards, and of course, if anybody wants to contact me directly, it's Frank at ImpactMouthguards dot com.
0: Cool. So we'll link all that in the show notes. Again, thanks so much for your time, Frank. Thank you, Felix. Really appreciate being on uh, your podcast. Thanks for listening to Shopify Masters, the e-commerce marketing podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs. To start your store today, visit shopify.com for a free 14-day trial.